0: Freedom Stories brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show.
1: Hi, welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T. And my guest is Joshua Jones. He spent seven years in the Middle East and Asia catalyzing movements to Jesus. He saw many people with Muslim backgrounds get baptized, say yes to following Jesus, and start simply reproducing Jesus' communities amidst their own cultures. He's now the Executive Director of All Nations Kansas City, a missions training and sending organization that is overseeing work in 25 countries. He's also a core team member of 5Q, an organization that unlocks and releases the potential of the five-fold ministry in the body of Christ. How are you doing tonight, Joshua? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Johnny. It's awesome for you to be here obviously those things just don't happen overnight. So tell me about your journey to God and what led you into those parts of the body of Christ.
2: Yeah, well, you know, when I was very young, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents followed Jesus. My dad found Jesus when he was about 21. About the same time my grandpa did, and I came around about five years later. But when I was three years old or so, I remember one of my very first memories ever is saying yes to Jesus, sitting in front of the fire with my green blanket, talking to my parents, asking them about Jesus, and as they described him, I said I wanted to follow him. So I started at a young age, but mm-hmm. it took me a long time to figure out what does it actually look like. To follow Jesus and to be in in a relationship with him. So as I continued on my journey, I remember my freshman year in college, I went to university to become a pastor and I didn't know that this was not the direction that God wanted me in as somebody that grew up with him as somebody that said yes to Jesus at an early age I wanted to serve him I wanted to figure out what does that look like but the only thing that I saw around me when I was looking to figure out what does it look like to go into full-time ministry was to become a pastor of a local church and so I went my freshman year in college to become a pastor and I realized quickly that I'm not built to be a shepherd that's not who I am. That's not how God made me. That's not what he designed me for. And so it took me about 10 years or so to find my purpose. And I floundered a lot in my 20s. I was really a guy that just sat around, let Jesus happen to me. I would go and you know I coached college basketball. I did a whole bunch of different things. I worked for a golf course. I was in the sports arena for a long time. And I always viewed the people around me as my disciples. And I was looking to God and saying, hey, look, how How great I am. And, you know, I'm making disciples for you. Aren't I great, God? And that didn't work whatsoever. My big turning point came. I was living in South Korea. I was teaching English. I was working for this church. And it felt like for 10 years, I was running from what God had for me. I was trying to do ministry, on my own terms. I was trying to be who I thought God wanted me to be. And I just remember just falling to my knees in my little room in Korea. And if you know Korea, there's always small, tiny rooms. And so I was I'm living in this small, tiny room. I fell on my knees and I started crying and weeping. And I said, God, okay, you could do whatever you want with my life. My life is completely yours. And that's when things really started to change. When I truly made God Lord of my life, Not just, hey, I know you as an intellectual way, or I know who you were in the past, but I know you intimately now, you are Lord of my life, and I will follow you wherever you lead me.
1: Knowing what it is that God wants you to do in your life is so critically important, and it's not always easy to figure that out. The Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So God has a calling on everybody's life, you know, to work in the body of Christ, but to really figure out what that is can be challenging.
2: Yeah. And it was challenging for me, but I know that everybody has a gift and everybody has a part to play in the body, right? It's not Mm -hmm. just for the elite few. It's not just for the leaders. It's not just for the paid minister. It's for every single person that's claims the Lord as their savior, as saying, Jesus, you are mine. He's saying, I'm giving you something. I'm giving you a grace and a gift to play within the body of Christ. And so to find mine, it took me a long time. You know, I was a coach, I was a teacher, and I really loved travel to do different things, to see the world. And so when I fell on my knees at that time and saying, God lead me, The first thing that happened was that he started to break my heart for arab muslims and that was strange because i was in south korea and there are no arab muslims in south (laughs) korea there's nobody there and so i'm just working through this and figuring out what is this lord why are you bringing these people to mind and you know i was reading different books i was you know everything that i read it just was about arab muslims and about six months after that i was on eHarmony. And I saw this profile, this very cute girl, and I emailed her and said, Hey, what's up? And she emailed back and she said, Hey, just to let you know, I want to live and I want to work in the Middle East. And if you're not up for that, we don't have to talk. And so I had to figure out, do I want to talk to this girl and say yes to what God had put on my heart as Mm -hmm. Arab Muslims, even just, you know, thinking about the prospect of going overseas and living in the Middle East. I had to say yes to just to talk to this girl. And so I ended up, it took me about a week to figure that out, a week to say yes to what God has been speaking to me. And I emailed her back and eventually she turned into my wife and on our one year anniversary, we flew to the Middle East and started working with Syrian refugees. It was really at a place where I just wanted to say yes to God and the direction of my life transformed drastically the moment I said yes whatever you want, God, wherever you want to lead me, I will go and I will follow. My life has totally transformed since then. And it was just that simple yes. And that every single day I wake up, I say, yes, God, what do you have today? Where are we headed? What are we doing? I want to go with you in whatever you're doing. And so it's taken me around the world, but all it is is saying yes to what God has and following him in it and not pursuing my own selfish ambition, but actually saying, okay, Jesus, you're Lord, you're the one that I want, and you're the one that I follow.
1: I think it's so prevalent, you know, today in the body of Christ with believers, you know, no matter what denomination they're in, that, you know, we're surrounded by material things. Some have more, some have less, you know. But yet, because they're physically tangible things that we can feel and touch and it's a challenge to to just bow your knee to Christ and say, okay, Lord, just give that all over to God and say, yes, I understand it's an easy thing to say. Yes, Lord, whatever you say, the unknown, I'm not worried <laughs> It's about the
2: hardest things. thing to well, do.
1: <laughs> it's a hard thing. I agree. It's a hard thing, but I mean, it's easy to say, but it's a hard thing to actually mean it because we don't know what he has for us. We don't know what's ahead of us. Yeah. All we can see is the, the here and now. I think it's a, a trust issue, really, you know, and it's a, it's a big bridge for a lot of us, My myself included, sometimes to walk across that bridge.
2: And it's really tough, especially if he's calling you to go and work with people that you're not familiar with. And there's so many people in this world that, you know, we don't want to engage with and we don't want to interface with because they're unfamiliar. Whether it be, you know, somebody of, you know, a different political persuasion as us or a different ethnicity than us, somebody that we just don't know about, it's really hard to engage. And so, you know, God, you know, started to ask me to ask questions, to start to learn who people are. And I think the only way that we can see one another for who God made them to be is to sit across the table, to eat together, and to get to know one another as who we are, which we're all a family. You know, we are all created by God. We are all a people that yearn to know him and love him and be in relationship with him because he is doing the same thing for us. He yearns for us and he is drawing people everywhere to him. You know, one of the verses I love is John six forty four. is Jesus says to his disciples that nobody comes to me unless the father who sent me draws them Mm -hmm. and it gives me a lot of peace in the midst of talking to others about Jesus because the father is doing the drawing. It's not my convincing of people. So my job is just to go and look for where the father is working and in whom the father is working and to walk alongside them and to reveal who the father says they are because they are a son or a daughter of God and they're loved and they're cherished, they're beloved. And once people Start to realize who they are in him, there's really a turning point in life. So reaching Muslims is easy in my estimation, because I'm not trying to convince them of a doctrine or a theology. I'm trying to convince them that Jesus knows them and loves them, wants to live with them, have a relationship with them and walk with them. So as a short little example is, you know, one of the first refugee families that we encountered, we encountered this woman named Sarah, who is a widow with five children came across the border as a refugee and she didn't have anything. We interacted with her maybe two, three weeks after she got in country, was giving her physical aid as like mattresses and things to sleep on. But we also brought a story of Jesus. And so we probably shared a story of Jesus calming the storm or Psalm 23, which is something that refugees would really interact with and say, oh, that is good news, right? That in the midst of the storm that there's hope in Jesus, he could calm the storm and he is with me in it. And so she loved that story. We came back a week later and she said, you know, I love that Jesus story. I want to know more Jesus stories. I want to know more about Jesus, but first I want to share with you a dream that I had. And so Sarah was like, you know, in my dream, I was sitting in a circle with my family at across from me. At first, I thought it was my uncle, but then I realized it was Jesus. Mm. And she says, I've been in a church or two in Syria, and I saw Jesus on the Christian TV station. He had this long hair. He had this beard, beautiful eyes. And she said he was holding his side. He didn't know why he was holding his side. But she said, he looked me in the eyes and said, I want what is rightfully mine. And Sarah looked at us and said, what do you think that means? I want what is rightfully mine. And my wife and I looked at each other. We knew exactly what Jesus means, right? In Revelation 5, 9, it says he purchased with his blood people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. They are rightfully his. But instead of us trying to convince her that Jesus said this and and this is the right interpretation, we said, why don't we pray and ask God to tell you what Jesus meant when he said, I want what is rightfully mine. And this is a big risk. This is not something that's an easy thing to do because we're worried. Is is God going to say something? Is he going to speak in the midst of this? Or are we just going to look foolish? So we explained a little bit about listening prayer. And then we prayed really briefly. Uh, You know, God speak to Sarah and tell her what Jesus meant. when He said, I want what is rightfully mine. And about a minute, minute and a half later, tears started coming down Sarah's face. And we said, hey, Sarah, do you sense anything? Did you hear anything? And she said, well, I really feel that God wants to refresh and renew my heart. And you know, that's just like the God that we serve, right? He wants everybody to come to him. They are rightfully his, but he does it in such a way that refreshes and renews our heart. And Sarah continued to follow Jesus, started a little simple church in her house amongst other women that we coached. And she continued to to work through that relationship and follow Jesus, which is beautiful. But what I love about God is that that's what he's after is that refreshing and that renewing of the heart so that we can become his. And that's where you know he got me in my relationship with him, and I think that's where he gets a lot of people. is that wooing through the refreshing and renewing of hearts.
1: When you were talking about that story, it made me think of something I heard many, many years ago. But it says, A man with an experience holds a man with a theory at his mercy. Mm. And, you know, having an experience with Jesus, you can argue theology with people all day long, especially yeah. if they come from some kind of religious background. But when you express the experience that you personally had with Jesus, about how he's changed your life. How can anybody argue with that? You know, yeah. they really can. I mean, if they can judge you by your works, they can judge you by your fruit, but they're all based out of that relationship with Christ.
2: Yeah. And, you know, you look at Revelation uh, where it says that, that, you know, they beat the enemy with the power of their testimony and the blood of the lamb, right? They have the, the power of their testimony and the blood of the lamb were on the, in the same verse mentioned right next to each other that your story of a life transformed has that power to really continue to Be that witness. And we saw that over and over and over again in the Middle East. And I see it over and over again in everyday life with other people. My life is totally different because of the transformation that happened because of my experience. You know, oftentimes, you know, when we're thinking about talking to people about Jesus, what happens? We talk about how great he is. We say all the nice things about Jesus, all the great things about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then metaphorically, we put Jesus back in our pocket and we never offer an experience of Jesus for people. And so let's offer that experience to say, I had this experience. Would you like to experience Jesus? Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to convince somebody of who Jesus was, was he real? Can he move? Like, What are the theological tenets of what we do? All those things will come in time. But when we first encounter him, it's through all sorts of different supernatural encounters that we should embrace and say, okay, we'll go for it. And then all that other discipleship, sanctification, all this stuff is going to come and it's time because it's a long journey in our life with Christ. It's not just that first testimony and transformation that you have. It's actually a, a lifelong walk and journey with him that sees the biggest transformation. And so we have to help people walk that long journey and that long road of discipleship and sanctification towards him.
1: I know I've heard many times over the years, oh, well, that person over there, they call themselves a Christian, but, you know, I see them doing this or I see them doing that or whatever. And I've said a couple of times, well, you can't clean a fish until you catch it. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's, a, yep. it, it is a lifelong journey, you know, yep. and we all, we all go through valleys and we all go over mountains and things like that. And I exactly. think that we just need to just be honest with God every day and just build on that relationship and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this or thanks for helping me with that. Just like I'm talking to you, that change of, just not trying to pray religious prayers, but just mm-hmm. trying to sit with God in the morning. Sometimes it's a few minutes, sometimes it's an hour, whatever it might be, and just have a conversation with him and just say, "Okay, yeah. Lord, help me today to, to be more like you, help me to be your vessel, help me to, you know, live for you, all those kind of yeah. things. And I think that is not only life-changing for us, but it's life-changing for those around us because then they can truly see the fruit of the spirit in our lives.
2: Yeah, and that fruit of the spirit is so being crucial. And that growing up into the fruit of the spirit. I think one of the things that you you know you said is changing that prayers from religious prayers to sitting. I think one of the things we don't do very well in prayer is to listen. And I think one of the things we don't do very well uh, in conversations with others or, you know, in our everyday life is listening to one another. And so why don't we practice with God listening so that we can interact with others in a better way in our life and pay attention to what they're saying? You know, hearing God's voice is really something that we only grow in it with time log, right? So the more time we spend with them, the more we're going to know our voice. You know, as Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 10, Luke 10, that I'm going to send you like sheep among wolves. The great thing about that is the sheep know their shepherd's voice. Mm. So even though we're amongst wolves and we are actually going into the harvest field where there are wolves, we actually know the shepherd's voice and he can protect and he can guide. And if we don't know his voice, how are we as sheep going to know what to do? If we're sheep, you know, sheep aren't the smartest animals out there. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh-huh. that's
2: right. And so and they're only as smart as their shepherd. And so for us, we're only as smart as our shepherd and only as smart as our intimacy with Jesus. And that's only grown in time for me. I love to say yes to things. So it's now just asking the Lord, what do I say yes to? Mm -hmm. And what do I say no to? And so we did this little practice. It's called Emmanuel prayer journaling. And you know, you're writing out your thoughts to God and then you're sitting and waiting and then letting him speak and then writing out what you think God is saying to you. Okay. Um, and so that's actually a, is a really helpful practice for me and was helpful even the last few weeks of trying to discern whether to say yes or no. And, you know, as somebody who is more apostolic that wants to go out and start new mm-hmm. churches and new movements to Jesus, be a missionary and all that. I have the tendency to run out ahead of Jesus. And it's only when I actually sit and slow down and listen to what he has to say that that I'm actually successful. It's not about what I can do in my own power and my own strength. It's about what I can do to obey and follow Jesus.
1: I think that's so key to learn to recognize his voice. I mean, that's a growing journey, as you've said, you know, you spend more time. There's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? You know, Mm -hmm, And I know that it gives you confidence to overcome Come beer to act upon what you believe he's telling you to do. And when we do that, then we can actually see God's hand at work because we have the confidence that. He's already prepared that person's heart, or he's already opened that door, or whatever it may be. And all we're doing is obeying what our shepherd is telling us to do. And we're just already walking into the plans that he's already established, right? Yeah. So I understand the struggle of hearing God's voice, you know, because you want to make sure that God is telling you to do something. And our minds will tell us a lot of things, especially when we're zealous about wanting to tell people about what Jesus has done in our lives. But I think as we mature, we have to learn to be patient and recognize his voice to act upon whether it's him or not, right? Yep. Now you're involved with this All Nations Kansas City yep. and also kind of teaching, releasing people into the fivefold ministry. So tell me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, All Nations. Yeah, we make disciples and train leaders to ignite church planting movements among neglected peoples. And so we do that all over the world. We have people sent from our hub in 25 nations. And so we're seeing lots of people, especially in people in places where Jesus is not yet known, Mm -hmm. some of the hardest places on earth, to find people that are open and hungry for the gospel that then would spread along relational and family lines. And so we have seen that and that's fun. And so we have a lot of training, disciple making, if you want to become a missionary, you know, we have missionary training, we send missionaries around the world Um, and that's really good. And that's been, you know, just a fun thing. And, you know, it's different coming from the field, being on the front lines, actually doing it yourself and then coming back and training and equipping others to do it. But I find a lot of life in it, you know, and you know, I'm in this organization called 5Q, 5Q, Yeah, we're looking at Ephesians 4 and the Ephesians 4 uh, giftings as apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher as gifts for all people. In verse 7 there in Ephesians 4, it says to each one of us, grace was given. There was a gift that Jesus gave to the body of Christ so that we could actually look like him to the world and grow up into him. And so we say, you know, people, if you're a more mature teacher, one of your callings is to equip others to teach well. And so... We're called to take what has been given and then pass it along to others in our gifting. And we don't actually see the fullness and the wholeness of what church is supposed to be and what the body of Christ is supposed to be if we don't have each one of us. If we only have teaching, we're siloed and we're missing some aspects. And so we help teach others to be able to do that and do that well. And that's been a blast for me. So I'm doing some work inside the church, trying to revitalize core, and then outside of the church, we're Jesus is not yet known, trying to see churches and disciples established so that ultimately the goal is to see Jesus worshiped among all the peoples of the earth. And so we want to see him lifted up and him get the glory in everything that we do.
1: Absolutely. So both of those things, are they just local training centers or are they online as well?
2: We have a lot of online training at allnations.us. And then at 5Q Collective, we have mostly online cohorts at the moment, leadership cohort. So you can go, we have webinars and cohort on there that you can go through. I have a podcast as well. And I've been interviewing a lot of leaders and talking a lot about shifting culture. What does it look like? The podcast name is Shifting Culture. It's really, what does it look like with APAS leadership, Ephesians 4 type leadership, and what does it look like to go into new cultures and different cultures, share the gospel, and spread the love of Jesus where he's not yet known.
1: That's awesome. Very cool. Okay, so you get an opportunity to leave our audience with one thought about God. What would that be?
2: He is a good shepherd. So hear from Jesus and do what he says, and that's all you need, and that's all you need. If you could do that, we could change the world.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on our show today. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. And I encourage anybody that's listening to check out Joshua's podcast and the two websites for All Nations and for 5Q. God bless you, Joshua. Thanks for being here.
2: Thanks a lot, Johnny. It's great to be here. I had a good time.
3: star dressed in red. God's gonna trouble the water. Looks like the children that Moses led. God's gonna trouble the water. Well, way away in the water. water. Well, trouble the water See that host all dressed in white God's gonna trouble the water Well it looks like the children of the Israelites God's gonna trouble the water God's Gonna trouble the water, wave in the water, wave in the water, children, wave in the water. God's gonna trouble the water. See that host all dressed in red. God's gonna trouble.